Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Welcome to this COB on this record Friday. I'm Juliette Sarley and we are seeing the local market back to those records that we breached on Wednesday. We had a bit of a wobble yesterday, but uh, buyers moving in once again today after we saw those tech giants on Wall Street really just power the rebound on Wall Street. You can see the SIBO 200 there up by 1.4%. And as we head into match off, the ASX 200 is up over 100 points, 107 points, or 1.4%, uh, 7,695. So getting very, very close to 7,700 point levels. And of course, a fresh record for the ASX 200. It's really hard to find really many losers today. A couple of small players when you look at the mining stocks and uh, I'm looking at Arcadium Lithium under pressure. But some really solid gains. You've got Goodman Group up by about 6.5%. Uh, James Hardy's looked good. Fortescue's getting towards another record. $29.72 is where it sits at the moment. All right, let's have a look at the themes of the day. And, of course, it really has been about these back-to-records uh, on the ASX 200 after that slump yesterday, which uh, a few people said was kind of overdone, how much selling we saw yesterday. Of course, there had been a bit of window dressing coming into the end of January, but there's also reporting season just around the corner. So people not wanting to get caught out by not being in the companies they hope are going to do well and of course potentially give some strong dividends as well. We've got high tech tides there also because, uh, of course, the other key news was uh, this big rally that you came saw, excuse me, coming through from some of the tech players. The likes of Apple, Amazon, Meta, all rising by one to three percent during the day's trade ahead of earnings results after the bell. And then after the bell, we had Meta announcing its first ever dividend of 50 US cents per share, uh, and that saw its share price in after hours trade rise by about 14%, giving Meta, the parent company of Facebook, a market value of $140 billion. And this comes, the dividend payment, just days before Facebook is set to uh, commemorate, celebrate its 20th anniversary. I don't think it came to Australia until about 2006, but it was in uh, the rollout. Of course, remember, it was a platform initially for college students from 2004 in the US. So hard to believe we've had nearly two decades of Facebook. How much data do they have? I don't even want to go back and look at photos I posted 20 years ago. All right, going nuclear as well. We saw this huge run up in a lot of the uranium stocks and uh, we'll get to those in a little bit. But of course, this is also on the back of the big producer, Kazakhstan's Kazatomprom, announcing quarterly results as well. And just a lot of focus on nuclear stocks. Adam Dawes from Shore and Partners joined me earlier and he said that they love a lot of those uh, players. All right, let's have a look at some of the 
sectors, kicking it off with the REITs, another sector that uh, Adam Dawes was focusing in on as uh, a potential uh, winner in reporting season. I mean, these are some of the smaller ones. I mentioned Goodman Group uh, doing incredibly well today. I'll just give you its share price up 6.4%, $27. So it had a gain of $1.63 today. Um, having a look as well at the IT players on the back of those big moves from the Magnificent Seven. WiseTech Global up by 2.7%. NextDC also had a good day, Technology One. And I believe Zip was doing quite well as well. Um, having a look at also consumer staple stocks. This is a really interesting space. Um, I mean, we're looking at some of the big supermarkets here. But when you look at the ag stocks, I was talking to Mark Gardner yesterday from MPC Market saying, look, this is actually a needs, not wants sector that investors should be looking at. Um, some of the names he liked were Elders, Select Harvest, but we're looking at the big supermarket names in the consumer staple sector there. One area a lot of analysts think is going to outperform this reporting season. And just getting you into some of the cop- top corporate stories, excuse me, Pinnacle, the asset manager jumping 5% after it revealed affiliate funds under management topped $100 billion in December and reported a flat half-year profit. Pinnacle up by 9%. I believe it was a top performer. Bank of Queensland also in focus. It's agreed to sell its New Zealand asset portfolio to UDC Finance as part of its efforts to streamline the bank's operating model. CBA is going to report next week. Analysts quite bearish on this stock, but it continues to rise, $115.66. Chalice Mining was hit by a broker downgrade from Jefferies. They are worried about the outlook for the nickel markets and have a price target of $0.90 now from $1.25. Chalice today down 8% at $0.95. And AGL also got hit with a broker downgrade from Macquarie, downgrading the stock to neutral from Outperform, saying without electricity prices rallying uh, to long-term averages, that's going to impact AGL, which is down 4.2% to $8.19. All right, let's welcome one of our favorites back to the COB. It's been a while. Shane Oliver from AMP joins us. Uh, Shane, joining us on a record day for the market. That's right. It's certainly been a big run. Uh, big chart. Part of that happened after we last started talking back in uh, December, I think it was. Uh, obviously, very good news on the back of inflation uh, initially globally and then, of course, uh, in Australia. And, of course, with that has come increasing talk of imminent rate cuts. or well, maybe not imminent, but uh, in the months ahead anyway. So that's, I guess, the key factor pushing markets higher. It's almost a, a reversal of what you saw back in 2022 when uh, markets were under big pressure in response to rising inflation and uh, interest rate hikes ahead. So pretty good story for share markets. Obviously, you can question valuations. You can question whether markets have run ahead of themselves. I think they probably have a little bit. Um, We're coming into seasonally weaker months uh, through February and into March, um, and investor sentiment is quite high. So it wouldn't surprise me at all to see a bit bit of a pullback. But the overall fundamental picture in terms of inflation and interest rates, uh, you'd have to say it's a very good one. And uh, we were looking at the overall performance of January, and I note that you used that uh, adage, as January, so goes the year, in terms of that uh, barometer for what we'll see for the remainder of the year. But when it comes to what we're going to see from the RBA, Shane, next week, I mean, you're still sticking with that call that we will see rate cuts probably from June. That's right. Uh, I mean, it seems the money markets have now come out of that view as well. I think they were money market uh, pricing was for August and then for two cuts this year, uh, as of last week, 
Um, in fact, slightly less than two cuts this year, whereas when I looked at it today, uh, the money market is fully priced for a June uh, start to cuts, which is our view, and, of course, almost three cuts priced in for this year, which is also our view. So that those inflation numbers that we've seen uh, in, on Wednesday obviously have been a big factor in all of that, pulling down expectations uh, for the level of the cash rate. Uh, we are pretty confident we will get a cut by June. I mean, there is some chance you could get one in May. I know some people have been saying it's possible. Um, I know the money market's talking about a 22% probability of a chance in May, so that's certainly possible. Um, but I think the Reserve Bank is a bit like the Bank of England uh, right now. It'll probably be want to be a little bit cautious. Uh, it'll relax its tightening bias. It possibly may even remove it um, on Tuesday. Uh, but I think they'll, they're going to say it's way too early to be talking about rate cuts um, at this point in time. So consequently, they'll probably want to see some more evidence. And uh, the inflation base effects, which helped pull down inflation rapidly through uh, the last couple of months, won't be so favourable over the next couple of months. Then they'll come down again. But um, And that's because the, we had very, very high inflation numbers at the end of 2022, those numbers drop out of the annual calculation and so pull down the annual rate. The next couple of months for January and February, the numbers weren't as high a year ago, so inflation won't be falling as rapidly going forward. But nevertheless, um, we're pretty confident that with weak economic conditions in Australia and falling inflation, inflation running well below what the RBA has, that uh, they'll be cutting by June. All right. Well, sticking to that to, to that call, what about the Fed? I mean, there was so much expectation and euphoria at the end of last year that we would see a March rate cut. Jay Powell very much pushing back against that this week. Your take? Like, I don't think there was anything particularly surprising there. I mean, the money market could still be right, could still come earlier. Uh, interestingly, money markets pretty much around the world have ignored what the Fed said and the BOE um, and, and are in fact more bullish than they were um a week ago, uh, not necessarily on the timing, but in terms of the quantum of the cuts uh, through this year. Uh, so the money markets are sort of looking through that and ultimately saying, well, you know, they might be sounding cautious right now, but ultimately they'll fall into line. Uh, and I, I, I sort of tend to agree with that. Um, I, I kind of think that the, the money market had got ahead of itself uh, in terms of that optimism about a March cut. Um, we've been thinking May was probably more likely. But despite what he said, he actually said it's unlikely, but he wants to see more evidence and he's going to be data-driven. So a March cut by the Fed is still quite possible. Um, that said, when you look around the world uh, and, and, and inflation numbers, I'd have to say it's more likely in economics would suggest the ECB should be going before. Uh, the Fed, but uh, you know the commentary out of the two central banks suggests that that may not be the case. But uh, bottom line is I wasn't too fast by uh, what Jay Powell said, and it was interesting to see the U.S. share market behaving as it often does on uh, Fed days. You know, whatever happened on the Fed day often gets reversed, at least directionally, the next day, and we certainly we've seen that in the last couple of days coming out of the U.S. with the, uh, the U.S. share market rebounding again. Let's talk about the China picture. We've got CPI um, coming through later this uh, week or next week, I should say, is it? We're, in terms of uh, what we've been looking Thanks, for, mate. the overall picture uh, for China yesterday is Friday. I just had an absolute. <laughs> I just fast. wanted to come back again, Shane, do it all again. Um, no, next week and likely to show uh, disinflation. But just talk about the overall picture on the property market, too. And, and you know, how much worrying this potential contagion could be from Evergrande. 
Like, I'm not so worried about it because China is not Australia or the US. If this were Australia and the US and we had a, a company like Evergrande going bust, you'd get pretty worried um, because a liquidation, which was ordered by the court in Hong Kong on behalf of the offshore bondholders, means you've got to sell the assets and pay the bondholders back. Um, the complication is that the mainland courts, uh, PRC courts in China, uh, won't necessarily let the liquidator sell all the assets in mainland China, which is where the bulk of the assets are of Evergrande, um, and they will give priority to government policy, which is to protect home buyers and also um, you know, build more homes. And selling a whole bunch of property on a fire sale basis uh, won't. Uh, I, I won't help on any of those fronts. It's also going to be unclear as to whether uh, the mainland courts will prioritise onshore bondholders over offshore bondholders, and I suspect they'll favour the onshore bondholders. But nevertheless, this suggests that um, it's just part of the ongoing property downturn in China. We're not going to see fire sale of properties in China. It's not going to accelerate the, uh, the property downswing. But by the same token, it does remind us that that property downswing is still in place. Uh, and it will be a drag on Chinese growth. Bottom line, though, is that the Chinese authorities will do uh, what they've been doing in the last year, and that is provide stimulus to help offset um, the drag coming from property. So we see growth slowing in this year in China, but only down to 4.7%, still, still OK. Uh, I don't see it collapsing. And those uh, PMIs, which we've just put up there, the chart uh, we put out today, um, they're sort of OK. They're not fantastic. Uh, the data we've seen so far for January was sort of up a little bit. I think the, the Taishin PMI was uh, sideways, so I've averaged them in that chart there. Um, they're sort of at okay levels, but they're certainly not uh, collapsing. But by the same token, they're not booming either. So it's just telling us that Chinese growth will continue to move along at a, a subdued pace compared to its uh, history over the last few decades. All right, Shane, great to have you back. We'll chat again next week. Shane Oliver, of course, from AMP. Let's have a quick look now at uh, what we've been seeing with some of the leaders and laggards in the overall session. Uh, and in fact, before we do that, we want to get to the stock of the day. Of course, we we're looking at those Magnificent Seven, Meta, Apple, Atlassian and Amazon. Let's hear what our guest Luke Winchester from Merriweather Capital and Claude Walker from A Rich Life had to say about the big tech stocks. I think what you're looking at at this point in time for, for Google, Amazon, Facebook, um, maybe Apple not so much, but those first three um, probably went a little bit crazy in that 2021 period with investments and headcount and they've made some you know, well-reported adjustments to their cost base. But I think what's probably caught the market by surprise is the strength of the business is still being able to grow even if even as they've done that so look it's 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 hard to to, to fault these behemoths um and i think where they sort of set themselves apart from businesses of the past is they are truly global i mean uh, these are no longer just american businesses dominating an american index they're, they're, they're global businesses um, and still have plenty of growth potential in front of them because they are so capital light in the way they operate as well so you know unfortunately you know it's not the it's not the target primarily with the Capital, but yes, I do agree with you. If you are a you know more passive investor, you need exposure to these businesses. These will be the businesses that are around for the next 10, 20, and you know, however many decades into the future. Uh, but yeah, overall, it, I think that the real theme here with those all of these big companies is: are we moving towards a world where actually they're these sort of oligopoly of extremely powerful uh, v sort of 
enterprise software companies or some kind of tech companies that run some crucial part of our economy or, or system of society and they are just becoming and do these one sort of perform little oligopolies where there are maximum kind of two in a space and, and they become very powerful and of course then have pricing power and stuff like that are we moving in a world more in that direction if so then you definitely definitely want to own some of these big beer moths so i'm not against any of those ones at all um at, at this moment in time you know atlassian's probably the one i have owned before of of those ones i also like apple because it has uh, the ecosystem effect with with people using its software and equipment. So I could definitely see myself being a shareholder of Apple. In terms of Meta, it's not one that I've I've been on myself. It, it's not actually my preferred. I know it's the it's the stock of the moment right now, but that's partly just because it's been in in the doghouse previously in a couple of years, so it's recovering from that. So uh, all of them great companies though, and invest and investment worthy and and totally considerable uh, for someone's greater portfolio. Let's get you caught up on the market leaders on a record high day on the local market. Pinnacle Investment, we talked about uh, its funds under management up by over 9%. Siona Mining also having a great day along with Boss Energy on that uranium move. Goodman Group also, which was one of Adam Dawes from Shore and Partners picks. You can follow that interview on ausbiz.com.au, of course. Paladin Energy up 6.6%. Let's have a look at the losers today. Chalice Mining, of course, that broker downgrade from Jefferies really hitting it. AGL being hit by the Macquarie downgrade. Uh, also, a couple of the smaller players, Arcadium Lithium, down almost 4%. Nickel Industries, Danny had a great interview with uh, that company earlier in the week. Of course, a big push in Indonesia there. Whitehaven Coal down 1.4%. In the small end of town, uh, we saw Bougainville Copper, the leader, up by over 36%. Drone Shield up there as well, up almost 13%. Having a look at the losers in the small cap space. MedAdvisor down 12%. Um, I feel like Conrad Asia Energy Limited needs a few little gaps there for us to read that. Better Australian Vanadium down 9% and Impedimed down 8.5%. Well, I just said to Shane, is China data coming up later this week? But of course, it is Friday and we're looking ahead to next week. And the key thing is the RBA interest rate decision, which uh, they've changed the way they're going to do it now. So it'll catch us all off a little bit because they're going to have the decision coming through and then a meeting an hour later. Um, but we'll, of course, bring you all of that live here on AusBiz. The RBA Governor Bullock will then give her testimony. They've got the statement on monetary policy as well. We get the Melbourne Institute inflation gauge and international trade data coming through as well. When we look at what's happening overseas, we mentioned that China inflation data for January coming through uh, on Thursday next week. The Taishin Services Index as well. In the US, we get the ISM S&P Global Services Indexes, the international trade data and consumer credit. So a bunch of things for us to all be keeping an eye on. But as we head into the weekend, everybody can breathe a sigh of relief. So it's been a great week on the market. And of course, we're at a record. I just want to tell you how much the index has gained over the week. This is the ASX 200 I'm looking at. Um, it's up by 2% and it is at a 100 
day high, up 2%, I should say, over the week. Um, today, up 1.5%. So a lot of the heavy lifting done today. More than 112 points on the ASX 200. And we've closed just shy of 7,700. Remember, markets love these psychological points. We're at 7,699.4 on the ASX 200. So will we hit through 7,700 next week? Well, of course, we will bring you all of the information, all the interviews you need to know, and you can catch up on the weekend on our website as well, oswiz.com.au. Have a fabulous weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.